Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that looks at the factors facing our attitudes and actions to motoring and transport. I'm David Brown. And in this program, we look at news stories, including the car sales figures for 2016. It's all go for business. We talk to Errol Smith about Jakarta traffic and transport problems. We road test the new Maserati SUV, the Levante, and ponder the latest luxury trend for these types of vehicles. And in a welcome return of quirky news for 2016, Errol Smith, Brian Smith and I discuss the car ads at this year's Super Bowl. Have a question or a comment? Send it to overdrive at drivenmedia.com.au. Now to begin the program, let's have the news. The significance of the business market for new car sales in Australia has been dramatically shown in the sales figures for 2016. While the market is up by 2% overall, figures show that non-private, i.e. business new vehicle sales, accounts for all of the growth, and now represent half of the market. In fact, slightly more if you include large heavy vehicles. It appears that private buyers are less likely to pay for more fuel-efficient technology, but business buyers have increased the sales in diesel and hybrid vehicles. Diesel sales have increased well above average, but this has been solely from business buyers. The decline for private buyers for diesel vehicles is shown in all three key segments – passenger cars, SUVs and light commercials. Although the numbers are very small, hybrid vehicle sales have increased, but again, this has been by the business sector. Every segment has practically given up on electric cars. Private sales are down 76% and business sales down 82%, although the numbers were extremely low to start with. A similar situation exists with LPG vehicles. There are many new models of cars that will be released in 2017. Kia will release their all-new Picanto in the smaller segment of vehicles, the Compacts. In the slightly bigger class, Hyundai will launch the third generation of its i30, which is the second best-selling car in its segment behind the Corolla, which is soon to get an upgrade. A couple of models will get variations that will widen the options. Honda released its Civic sedan in 2016 to good reviews. They will soon get the hatch version and later the Type R sporty hatch. Renault will get sedan and wagon variants of their Megane to supplement the hatch that was launched in October. The big news in the small SUV class is that Toyota finally gets into this part of the market with their new CHR with an aim of appealing to a younger demographic. Hyundai will also get a small SUV to fill a gaping hole in their fleet offering. Subaru will get a new XV, hopefully with more power. And there are many more cars in what should be a bumper year. Car sales started off in 2017 on a positive note, with total sales up 0.6%. As with the figures last year, the sale increases are not uniform across Australia and reflect the economic conditions in each state. The impact of the economy is clearly reflected in the sales numbers. Victoria has started off with a surge of over 9% growth, followed by the ACT with 5% and New South Wales with 4%. 
Queensland is struggling with a decline of 8.5%, while Western Australia has the worst performance with a decline of 10.5% compared to last year. Google's self-driving car, the Waymo, has just shown the best performance of self-driving cars in the annual report from the Californian Department of Motor Vehicles. As of the end of November, Waymo had operated its self-driving cars in autonomous mode for more than 2.3 million miles. Of these, nearly 636,000 miles occurred on public roads in California. The key measure is the number of times a driver has to disengage the autopilot. In 2016, they experienced a reduction of 75% in the Waymo disengagement rate to just two disengagements for every 10,000 miles. The majority of Waymo's disengagements were the result of software glitches, the company says. Unwanted manoeuvres, perception discrepancies and recklessly behaving road user also accounted for dozens of disengagements. There were no reports of crashes or accidents. The bigger the company, the bigger the power games and the more serious the consequences. In 2015, the chairman of Volkswagen, Ferdinand Peach, fell out with the then CEO, Martin Winterkorn. Peach lost and stepped down. About six months later, the Volkswagen Dieselgate scandal started to surface. Now reports out of Germany are suggesting that Peach is testifying that he raised concerns with Winterkorn as early as February 2015. If Winterkorn knew of the scheme to cheat the fuel economy and pollution tests as early as this, a fact that he has denied, then he could be in big trouble. His home and office in Munich were raided a few weeks ago. If convicted of fraud, Winterkorn could land up in jail for up to five years, or ten years if found guilty of aggregated fraud. One definition of aggregated fraud in the German Code of Law is large-scale loss of assets. And that has certainly happened with Volkswagen. And that has been the news. Well, one of our own has been over in Indonesia to uh, have a bit of a holiday, and he's, of course, been looking at the traffic and transport while he's there. Errol Smith joins us on the line, along with Brian Smith, the transport expert, who will offer his opinions as well. Gentlemen, thank you for your time. Thanks, David. G'day, David. And uh, Errol, you you went to Jakarta and other places? Yes, yeah, Jakarta and and surrounds went to the... um the sort of the safari park and all that kind of thing around around Jakarta. Um, but uh, I guess the most interesting thing for me um, and for our listeners is um, the traffic there. David, picture the worst possible traffic jam you've ever been in. There's a car on fire in the middle of the Harbour Bridge. There's a breakdown in the tunnel. There's a protest in the city and they've shut down some streets for a special event and that's all happening at once. Right. You know, like the perfect storm of traffic. <laughs> well, that's every single day in Jakarta. That's situation normal. Is it polluted? Yes, absolutely. Hmm. Yes. How did you get from the airport? Well, most of the expats there have drivers, which is apparently a pretty sought-after job if you're a local. And I have to say a highly skilled job because the traffic is absolute chaos. Um, A a, a typical lane for us will have, um, you know, here it would have one car in it. There it will have um, two cars and three lanes of bikes. Errol, did the did the driver slip through uh, off street car parks and things like that to sneak around? No, no, no. He just just stuck to the the main roads. Um, 
We did use some freeways, um, and they they present a very interesting contrast because most of the freeways have tolls, uh, most of which the locals can't afford. So you go from sort of seeing 80% or more of the vehicles being bikes to uh, virtually none. Well, the freeways flow, do they? In general, but apparently one of the freeways is getting so congested now that they actually close it against the traffic direction and then open that side for the out of the, the city traffic. So the, yeah. the one way sort of in each direction. Yes. Yeah, so There's got you some don't... reasonable public transport, Errol. Did you give it a try? There's a bus rapid transit system there, Transjucata, which is... Um, um, I, did, I did see that, but, and, and that was um, pretty much the only thing I saw. There was, I saw one train line. So um, the uh, the trains is not something they, they're, they're big on now. But I, there was they do have that uh, that bus system. And there's a huge amount of, um, I guess, smaller public transport, a lot of uh, regular oh. buses and, and and hundreds of mini, what you, what you call them, like a mini bus or a taxi bus that will only mm. carry maybe um, half a dozen people. Yeah, um, private buses. For a lot of those. Little, yeah, smaller buses, yeah. And, and, Very um, privatised. Yeah, commercial. and many, 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 many bikes with um, multiple people on them. Uh, the most we saw was <laughs> yes. four. We saw four on one scooter, a whole family. Uh, mum, dad, and two kids, all sort of, you know, squashed up together on a on a scooter. Um, and there's a lot of um, sort of Ubers and go gets and that kind of thing where you can ride share on a bike, mm. because that's about the only way you're going to get anywhere in any kind of hurry. If you're <laughs> in a car, right. forget it. We, we learnt something the hard way. What you do over there is every single time you're about to get in a vehicle, you go to the toilet first. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the chance of being stuck. Yes, this is because you know you'll be in the traffic for hours. Everyone carries multiple bottles of water and lots of snacks because you know there's a good chance you're spending your afternoon in a vehicle. There's um, a lot of uh, children named after cars. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Our host made a joke about having disposable undies in case you have an accident. <laughs> it's fascinating. But bikes everywhere. Uh, just, um, yeah, absolute bikes. Uh, uh, interestingly, one of the most common sort of upmarket taxis uh, there is what we call a Toyota Camry. Over there, it's called a limo. That's the actual <laughs> model name. <laughs> All the signs and the, even the traffic lights over there, it, it, you need to consider them more of a suggestion than, than, <laughs> than a rule. <laughs> <laughs> but um, what what I found interesting is that I think there's something to be learned from the attitude of the Indonesian drivers, because there's no sort of selfishness like you get in you know Western countries where you just have that idiot who tailgates you and cuts in. <laughs> but I think everybody's accepted that they're all in it together. Everyone's you know everyone's as bad off as badly off as everybody else. So there's no sort of uh, selfish behaviour. Everybody will let everybody in. It's a really healthy attitude, I think, um, on the road. You know, everyone's just accepted their fate, really. We, we need that here, don't we? Yeah, I, th- I think I think we do. And I think the other thing we need is the skill of the drivers there. What, what amazed me, um, given that there are bikes going past you constantly, um, was the uh, condition of the cars. Um, we were in a, a big SUV, uh, people mover, a Hyundai H1, and it didn't have a scratch on it. Ooh. The drivers and after drivers and riders there are, are genuinely careful about about the way that they drive on the road, and uh, there's actually that, very little that, damage. How interesting that it uh, you know it contrasts with the sort of the kind of chaotic look of it, doesn't it? 
Well, Errol, thank you for your travel stories. Uh, we'll come back later in the program and have a little talk about some quirky news, most particularly the ads, the car ads that were at this year's Super Bowl. You're listening to Overdrive. A colleague of mine thinks the expression Maserati SUV is an oxymoron. I don't blame him. I think of Maserati as being exotic and certainly sporty. Their tagline is luxury, sport and style cast in exclusive cars. But cars are not enough now. Most luxury brands are building SUVs. Jaguar has their F-Pace. 79% of Porsches sold in Australia are SUVs. Bentley, for heaven's sake, has the Bentayga, which means Rolls-Royce will follow soon with the Cullinan. And even Lamborghini is going to make one. Overdrive commentator Errol Smith sums it up. Should luxury and sports car brands make SUVs? Given what they generally look like, you would have to say, God no. I still rate the Porsche Cayenne as the ugliest Porsche ever made, if not the ugliest SUV. Okay, Sangyong still hasn't beat on that one, but only just. But the real reason they make them is economics. They sell. Buyers didn't care what the Cayenne looked like. It was an SUV that went like stink and it had a sports car badge on it to boot, not to mention a Porsche price tag. Once Porsche proved there was a market, the gates were open and the horses, even the raging bull, have been let loose on us all. Maserati has just launched their Levante SUV onto the Australian market. Glenn Seely, the Chief Operating Officer for Maserati Australia, New Zealand and South Africa, anticipates that 50% of Australian sales will be SUVs, which means, among other things, that 50% of new Maseratis will be diesel-powered. That isn't part of the original image. Errol shares similar memories. About 10 years ago, one of my neighbours took me for a spin in his Maserati Coupe, which was a beautiful car with an even more beautiful sound from its Ferrari V8. I recall squeezing into one of the Italian leather seats, which was then shoved into my back with great force as the naturally aspirated V8 roared and took us from nothing to the speed limit in the blink of an eye. It was luxurious, it was stylish, it was quick, and it was Italian. The first thing about the Levante is, does it look like a Maserati? Well, the front does. The current Maseratis have a low front grille that sticks out almost like pouting lips prominent on the saloons and positively Trump-like on their Gran Turismo sports car. I think it looks better on the taller SUV. The grille is clearly in the family style, but less protruding. The back of the Levante could be any of a host of SUVs. Errol comments on the looks. I always admired Maseratis for being an Italian sports car with style. Is the Levante a Maserati, though? It's stylish, but I think they erred a bit too much on the cautious side. It's missing just a bit too much Italian flair for my liking. The interior is undoubtedly plush and comfortable. I like how the screen is easy to read and use. The Maserati does have an analogue clock. You can get three variants in Australia, but they all share the same drivetrain. A 3-litre V6 turbo diesel with plenty of good horsepower of 202 kilowatts and huge torque at 600 newton metres. Maseratis are renowned for their engine noise. 
This diesel has a little bit of burble about it rather than the usual diesel rattle, but it's not to the level of one of their screaming V8 petrol engines. The 8-speed automatic gearbox is good, but the base model does not have paddles on the steering wheel. Maserati says the Levante is the ultimate combination of leading on-road performance and off-road capabilities. Combination is right. At the launch of the Audi SQ7 the other day, they didn't even bother to mention off-road capability, whereas Range Rover will regale you with the details of their clever technology to handle most of the things off the beaten track. Maserati is somewhere in between. We drove it around a test track in the dry and in the wet. It's still a big vehicle and you have to work hard to set the car up to avoid heavy understeer, but with the power going firstly to the back wheels and only to the front wheels when needed, you can drive in a spirited style. Off-road, we did go along some tracks and the four-wheel drive system was quick to pick the benefit of giving some power to the front wheels. Passive safety, such as airbags, is there in force, but active safety, how to help you avoid an accident, is not class-leading. There is no automatic emergency braking system, for example. The price range is rather narrow. The base model starts at $140,000 plus on-road costs. You can certainly get an Audi or Mercedes, or even a base model Porsche SUV for less, but the -the top-of-the-line luxury Maserati starts at just... $160,000 plus on roads. You can pay much more for other high-spec brands. So, in summary, you pay for a brand name like Mercedes or Audi, but you will pay more to get an entry-level Maserati Levante SUV badge. But it's an enjoyable ride with a sense of style. Oh, and just one more thing. In 2014, they showed the Alfieri concept car. Dear Maserati, sell as many SUVs as you need to. I understand that. But please build this car. You're listening to Overdrive. As is traditional at this time of the year, we have the Super Bowl in America and we at Overdrive critically review the car ads that they play during this, for want of a word, football game. At $5.5 million per 30-second ad that they charge, let alone the cost to produce them, you would think they would be good. We think the ads show truisms, lifestyle values, social values, pulling at heartstrings, technology and humour. It is, though, much more grand image than specific features. Daryl Smith and Brian Smith join us to cast their acerbic eyes at the latest creations. Gentlemen, again, thank you very much for your time. G'day, David. Thanks, thanks, David. Now, American ads can often look like truisms you get on Facebook, things like reach your goals or life is what you make it and so on. BMW have an ad about a young man with muscles and, of course, a BMW who seems to alternate between driving and exercising. It is full of expressions such as success requires hard work, always have a vision, be willing to push yourself. Technology is to help you, but always stay in control. Gentlemen, are you more motivated towards being a better person because of this ad? Because of ads. It's it's full of, it's a a cliche, isn't it, David? All these uh, these sort of phrases, motivational phrases. But I I think they're, they're, they're sort of doing a bit of a, it's motivational, but it's also about the car. 
Oh, that's a so surprise. It, 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 it sees ahead and all of that kind of stuff. So, um, But uh, they seem to be making a big deal of how it drives itself. And, and I was like, wow, if only I could get that in another car. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I just wonder when will Australia get these sorts of things, David? I mean, uh, what if we and had sort them? Of- you know, for, for the Rugby League Grand Final, the AFL Grand Final, we could all be talking about the, the latest cash converters ad or the, uh, <laughs> you know, some, some appalling thing like that. Where do you get it? You know, we could relaunch that. <laughs> Alpha has three ads as they try to rejuvenate the brand. I quite like the Alpha One riding dragons where they say mm. that power used to be the strongest guy in the room. Now you have to have grace as well. Alphas we've had recently in Australia are often cutesy, quirky-looking little things. Now they're old 159 sedan. I thought that was a great-looking car. Now they have bought out the Julia, which is a continuation of that style. I like it. Now the big question is, uh, Errol, particularly, do you think this ad helps? Uh, I think it does. They're, they're, they're going. There's lots of shots of you know space shuttles taking off and jets and all this kind of you know power sort of stuff. Um, they do. They do mention more than once about flying cars, and I still don't have my flying car fiat. That's false advertising. <laughs> the one I liked uh, particularly uses history a little bit. They have the usual sorts of uh, image sort of stuff, but then they flash up pictures of the very early Formula One alphas to some of yes. their iconic road cars. I thought finally someone says that it is not just about the moment, you know, that we're not locked in the very present, but that you reflect a long-term passion and history. I mm, thought that was yeah. rather good. Yeah, the, the history of the brand is, is as important as what we're making today. Yeah, yeah and I think that's part of it. And people, you know, hand-carving clay models of the cars and that Ooh. sort of stuff. So, yeah, obviously it's full of speed and, and uh, you know, going fast. But, you know, the, the images of children, you know, yearning to be um, grown up and, and you, know, you know, racing in cars or ballet dancers or leaping mm. to the stars. Yeah, again, it's all emotion. It's all associating the brand with achieving emotional and social things isn't mm. yeah I, th- I think this this one had a had a kid in a billy cart um but so yeah. did about three of the other ads so uh, it's, i'm getting them mixed up but it's not just um, a billy cart it's like a he's got a little helmet on and it's like a an expensive soapbox race box race yes, it's not something yes. you and i made out of fence palings right it's <laughs> no no yeah you know, it's much more it's, it's, it's got a, it's got an italian leather on the seat <laughs> well, of course, it's males are the power and females are the grace, so it uh, does tend to wallow into that. Now, but there is heritage, I suppose. Yes. That's that's something that Alpha can trade on. Isn't the, it? the only thing is that some of the ads uh, are pretty zoom zoom. They have these pictures of it spinning through the countryside. One of them even chucking a wheelie and smoking the tyres. Although you can't see the smoke just from the tyres, it looks almost like it could come from the exhaust pipe, which is not the image they want at all. Blow your no, no, it's, 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 a, it's a more realistic one after you've had it for a few years, though, isn't it? But the other thing is I just find all those sorts of shots, particularly chucking a wheelie, smoking the tyres, have been done so much on Top Gear and everything else that it's a little bit boganish to my mind. I, yeah, I, yeah I mean, and you couldn't show that ad in Australia anyway. Uh, no, no, that's exactly right. Now, Honda is into some aphorisms as well. They have an ad which has expressions like, all dreams are in reach, here's to chasing dreams, but it's done with very clever technology. 
It shows celebrity pictures from their school yearbook and it must have used digital technology because you can see them speak and they have facial expressions. Uh, celebrities such as Tina Fey, Stan Lee, Robert Redford, boy, he looks different, Amy Adams, Magic Johnson and Steve Carell. It's a very clever ad. Do you think that touch of cleverness helps push the image? I think it's a really, it's a really, really well done and and you know quite amusing ad. I think the the thing that they is slightly lost on me though is that how so many people dream, you know, from being when they were a kid at school of owning a Honda CRV. <laughs> <laughs> Nostradamus. <laughs> When I grow up, I want to have an SUV, yeah, which they weren't there. A little bit of humour from Steve Carell and that, but uh, overall a bit of aphorisms, but rather clever technologies, and it rated uh, rather well in terms of judgment as to whether it was a good ad or not. Now, lifestyle values. Who can forget a few years ago, gentlemen, we commented on when Bob Dylan voiced a Jeep ad, including the phrase, there is nothing more American than America. Oh, God. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't remind me, David. I think uh, he should have lost the Nobel Prize for that, but no matter what other good work he did. Now, core values, they don't have to be just American or even about success. They can be laid back. Now, the Sitting on the Dock of the Bay Wasting Time Award must go to Honda with a man driving a van at night pondering words such as time you enjoy wasting is time not wasted at all. No, it was very, very sort of uh, droll. It, and it, and he, this, this, it's this young sort of scruffy guy with a, a very strong southern accent saying, you know, my Honda minivan, and how many times my Honda took my breath away. And, and uh, I think my favorite line is, I'll drive this car till I die and maybe a bit after. I think it makes it to this one to sound like a death trap. <laughs> well, I said your passengers would prefer you not to be. In that situation. Yes. yes. <laughs> Doesn't he know that fatigue is a biggest killer? And so therefore he's likely to die in that car because he just drones on. Yes, yes it sounds half asleep, doesn't it? Perhaps it just means that, uh, you know, you'll, you'll buy it as a second-hand car and there'll be sort of a, an unidentifiable ash all over the floor. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's in there in more than spirit. Did you see the Lexus commercial, the, the man and machine commercial with the, the dancer? Yes. He's an yes. American yes. dancer. Beautiful juxtaposition of his moves and physicality and the vehicle's shape and everything. But I, I couldn't help but thinking in, in America, if that man drove that car, the police would probably pull him over. I mean, is, is a black guy advertising it? It's, it's really an ad aimed at, at white people, I suspect. Gentlemen, it's been wonderful to talk to you. Thanks very much for your time. All right, David. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to Errol Smith, Brian Smith, and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. You can listen to longer segments of each of the features by going to our website at drivenmedia.com.au or podcast the whole program on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening. <laughs>